<laughs> when I was a kid, I realized that I was a lot deeper in my thoughts than a lot of kids around me. Didn't necessarily mean I was smarter. I just thought about a lot of stuff. Uh, what happened when I got older is that somebody gave me a cell phone and let me know that I can actually record those thoughts. So that's pretty much all this is. Whether it's talking about happiness or love or, or finances or politics or different aspects of religion. I'm here to bring you all the thoughts that were in my head as a kid and never really left as an adult. If I can say adult. Guys, this is Faith to Talk. Let's get into it. All right, guys, we are back. And uh, today's been pretty crazy, Courtney. How's your day been? Uh, it's been pretty good. 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 <laughs> thought there was more than that. That's <laughs> pretty good. You usually tell me so much more. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it was a good day at work and um, got to hang out at a swimming pool this afternoon, which is fun to be back on deck so because you're full of life when you're near water like poseidon's son <laughs> yeah <laughs> courtney is is part goddess of the sea <laughs> like anyways so <laughs> i don't know where i'm going with that uh so as i mentioned we're going to be talking about uh love and relationships uh sorry love and resilience love and relationships what was the last episode one take that's all we got um can you can you tell us what resilience means um so i guess a little backstory uh on me what i do for work uh is in part is teach a resilience class for the military and uh so it's something that is related to my background in psychology but something that i've gotten a lot more into since having this job um but when we're talking about resilience and what it is, it's a very trendy, catchy word these days, kind of like authentic. Um, and uh, but it can basically be summed up in a couple like two aspects. Number one is it's essentially the way that you deal with hard things. Um, and the second part is about how you grow. Um, so dealing with stress and how you grow when things are good. Uh, and if you had to simplify resilience, that's how it'd be simplified. So stress and how you grow. Dealing with, stress Dealing with stress or adversity or challenge or trauma or fill in blank with unpleasant adjective. <laughs> and how do you use that? Uh, I guess not. So let me ask it this way, because I don't want to necessarily get into your work yet. Um, do you allow that to influence the way that you uh, view and treat people? Resilience? Yes. I mean, uh, I would say yes, because part of being a resilient person involves knowing who you are. And I think uh, identity and knowing your own beliefs and your own values uh, definitely influences how you view and interact with those in the world, uh, those who are similar to you and those who are different than you. And um, another part about being a resilient human being is that we live in a social world. We don't live in bubbles. We aren't isolated. And um, yeah, and so it requires having strong connections with others and I think um, it's an interesting topic today because technology allows us 
the opportunity to creatively interact with many, many people, <laughs> but they aren't necessarily necessarily quality or deep interactions. They're very superficial, and um, it will be interesting to see how that kind of plays out uh, because resilience tells a different story about mm-hmm. what types of connections are needed for that. But yeah. Really good. Really good. So um, you mentioned, you mentioned identity. Uh, and as you know, that's been huge with me. Um, I really have a passion about identity and where people place theirs um, and, and how that develops. And so what does, I guess, what part does identity play in resilience? Identity plays a role. Um, I mean, like I said, it's about knowing who you are and uh, knowing who you are and what you value and what you believe about yourself as well as about others influences how you interact with them. Like if you uh, have identity anchored in your faults and things that you don't like about yourself or you think are wrong about yourself or you have beliefs that are really unhelpful just for life and living and overall well-being, something like I am a failure. Like if you believe that about yourself and your identity is rooted in your failures and all the times that you've tried things and haven't accomplished them or succeeded, then, uh, then yeah, like that, like that is resilience or a a lack of resilience really. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of a way that identity ties into resilience. Mm -hmm. Cool. 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 I, I'm taking notes right now because <laughs> there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of buzzwords and things that, that you say that I want to, um, I, I want to make sure that I don't miss, but, uh, so you mentioned earlier that you work, uh, on, on an army base and you teach resilience. Um, and so stop me guys, by the way, disclaimer again, um, uh, uh, some of her work is, or a lot of it, some of her work is, is confidential. And so there's certain things that she can't talk about uh, or else we will all have to be killed. And so I'm going to try to find a way to uh, not get into that territory. And I don't even know what it is because I'm also not able to know. And so if I'm if I'm asking something that goes uh, into that realm, please let me know um, either with eye signals or or you can just tell me. But uh, so you you uh, you teach soldiers uh, on on base um, what has been, because that sounds like an environment in which teaching resilience has aspects of resilience in it, if that makes sense. Like you need, you need to have a certain level of resilience to teach resilience. Is that fair <laughs> to say? Uh, I mean, I think to be an, eff- an effective teacher of resilience, yes, you have to be someone who, um, is interested in cultivating your own resilience. Do I mm-hmm. think that you have to be like self-actualized and the already best version of yourself? No, because that would be impossible. Like we know that resilience naturally grows over time. And so if I live for another 10 years, I'm going to be more resilient 10 years from now than I am today. If I live another 50 years, I'm naturally going to be more resilient, you know, 50 year old, older Courtney than Mm -hmm. today, Courtney. And, uh, So I think, though, that to teach resilience, you have to be someone who's also interested in taking ownership of and an active role in cultivating the aspects of resilience that you can influence directly. And um, and I also think just in terms of like a credibility 
um, someone choosing to be engaged and listen to you uh, is also in part based on that, like, especially if it's people that you know and work with. And um, if, if they know you to be pretty unresilient most of the time, um, then, yeah, it would be unusual to have like you be the one to talk about resilience. <laughs> but um, but I wouldn't say that. Uh, yeah, since there is no ceiling effect on resilience, it's something that just because you instruct it doesn't mean you don't have room for growth because you do. Mm hmm. Right on. So uh, with that, then um, I asked that for a, a reason. And so you, assuming that or it's not assuming, sorry, but taking uh, account the fact that you do have to, in some ways, be resilient, or at least it grows it. Um, what has been, I guess, not a story, but more of a challenge that you've had in, in teaching this? What have you or are there any struggles that you've encountered while relaying the message of resilience and what that looks like for soldiers? Um, I mean, not necessarily what it looks like for soldiers in particular. Uh, I think like from, from that standpoint, I mean, a challenge about the nature of my work, uh, is that I have never been in the military and so I don't have military experience. I've had the opportunity to work with him for a few years now, uh, which has afforded me a lot of growth and knowledge in that area. But mm -hmm. um, it's certainly different and interesting that, uh, that I'm teaching those in uniform primarily and having no experience myself. But I, I don't look at this class as, as civilian teaching soldiers or only army related at all or military related at all. That resilience <laughs> doesn't matter what your job is, doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter where you're from or where you're living or what you're doing, that resilience applies to everyone. Um, mm -hmm. And so from that standpoint, uh, I guess the biggest challenge in terms of teaching it is that like people aren't perfect and people make mistakes and part of being resilient isn't about pretending that mistakes don't happen and that you don't mess up. It's about what you do when it does happen. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I think though that, that one of those challenges really is, you know, modeling what does resilience look like when things get messy or, or when like you personally make mistakes or when, um, you know, things are going sideways and, um, yeah, so I, that's not really like a story specific, but, uh, but it's certainly a challenge that yes, as an instructor, I want the students to take me seriously. Um, <laughs> but I would say to be part of that is depending on the makeup of the course, I'm, uh, I'm fairly young, uh, as an instructor and I'm also fairly young in this job too, in terms of having the position that I have. And, uh, and so I would say that that's a little bit of a challenge too, uh, in the back of my mind is that, uh, that I'm very confident and excited and love what I do. And, uh, but would I, if like, I also can't say that in the back of my head on the first day of class, sometimes I'm like, all these soldiers are going to take a look at me and go, she has no idea what she's talking about. She doesn't even look like she's out of college or whatever the thought might be. But yeah. Right on. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of passion in your voice when, <laughs> whenever you talk about resilience. Um, and so we know what it is. And uh, we know that, and, and actually this is something that I'm going to ask a little bit later, so maybe we don't know this, but it seems like the way that you would address it 
from one person and their background would differ between how do you how you would address it with someone with a different background um meaning so someone who has come from uh an abusive home someone that is or it may have been abusive themselves the way that you would explain resilience to them or at least portray that message to them would be different from a kid who was raised in a house that uh you know had loving parents and you know harped on the importance of loving people what is is that is that right I would say no, actually, nope. that um, that just what resilience is and how it works doesn't really matter to the person and their experiences. Uh, I think, though, because resilience is in part cultivated by the experiences that we have, mm-hmm. uh, it means that, that we all have different levels of resilience. Like, we might all be the same age, but because of our life experience, we have different levels of resilience. And perhaps we're someone who experienced a lot of significant hardship. So whether that is actual trauma or abuse or death of parent or whatever, you know, like car accident, young. Um, So someone who experienced all of those things maybe had coping skills. They learned things or, um, or had picked up things that enabled them to get through it well and, uh, and improved well-being afterwards, eventually, right? Like eventually. Mm -hmm. And, uh, versus someone who maybe experienced all of those things and no, like rather than them being able to cope with it, it actually permanently impacted their psychology in a way that's maladaptive and maybe even clinical. And, um, but perhaps you have someone who maybe came from a pretty like vanilla home. Nothing <laughs> was really that hard and, uh, don't necessarily, didn't necessarily have life experiences of those that we would consider, um, having the cards stacked against them. Maybe they had two parents that are married the whole time and were married. Maybe their, you know, socioeconomic status meant there wasn't a lot of significant need in the house financially. And, um, and so, yeah, definitely you can have kids then from that type of background that a grow up quite resilient, that they were able to learn a lot of coping skills because they, they saw them modeled in their household. And, uh, and even though they didn't experience anything super traumatic or super stressful by, you know, some outsiders standards that they Mm -hmm. still cultivated the skills needed to deal with something like that. But Mm -hmm. then you could also get someone who grew up in that environment and uh, actually didn't learn any of those things. And so Mm -hmm. you're right, the first time they fail or the first time something horrible happens in their life by outsider standards, that maybe they will really have a hard time coping with it. And so I, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it's so much about like, depending on their experience, you need to talk about resilience in a different way. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the level of resilience that someone brings to that conversation uh, does impact the discussion and how it goes, because perhaps it's a matter of taking skills they've already learned and just enhancing them. Or man, Mm -hmm. maybe they only have like two tools in their toolkit when they (laughs) should have 20. And so, yeah. Okay. Then, uh, so that is, that is interesting to know. I, (laughs) I had it in my mind that maybe that would look different. So, then with that being true, uh, do you measure progress? And if yes, how is progress in gaining resilience measured? The short answer is, I'm sure there are many peer reviewed (laughs) surveys that you can take in order to assess some level of resilience. Um, there are actually, I know that the, the army has one in particular that, um, a part of what it assesses is resilience, but, um, yeah. So like 
if you, if you want to find out an indicator of your level of resilience, then, then certainly you could probably take a survey somewhere and that could let you know. But mm-hmm. uh, I think, too, a more um, anecdotal way of getting a gauge on your level of resilience is, uh, is doing just some self-reflection and really considering just some aspects of resilience. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, it's dirty air. Yeah, just some aspects of resilience, like like if you look back in your life, like what are those big moments that were really hard and really stressful mm-hmm. and how did you handle them? Or asking yourself a question like, um, how often is it hard for me to handle things in life? Mm-hmm. How often do I feel like I'm growing and thriving versus just surviving? Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so just kind of like wrestling with some of those questions, like, um, am I pretty self-aware of my thoughts? Can I tune into them easily? Am I pretty aware of what I'm feeling? And then can I also state those feelings to others? Can I adjust my feelings when I need to? Like, can I adjust my thinking when I need to? Do I have self-identity? Do I have strong relationships with others? Um, can I be creative in problem solving or looking at something from a different perspective and um yeah so kind of all of those conceptual ideas uh, are all conversations that are a way to just get a picture of your level of resilience good that's for that's for someone who's conscious of the fact that they're lacking resilience that's how that person can track it or not even lacking resilience, um, just someone who's interested in growing their resilience. So to be to be honest, I mean, this is Courtney's opinion, but if someone is not interested in cultivating resilience, they're not interested in resilience and knowing what it is and, and is not interested in honest self-reflection, then mm-hmm. no, you're they're not going to be able to gauge the level of resilience. They're either going to really undershoot or more than likely really overshoot mm-hmm. the amount of resilience that they have. Um, if someone's like not open to to investigating and doing that like self investigation. So um, we were uh, we were talking about how, or at least I was thinking about the parallels between love and resilience, and I was going to attempt to make some, but. <laughs> the more you talk, I realize uh, I don't really know what those are. Do you see any parallels between between love and resilience, or is it something that empowers you to love better? I think maybe that second part uh, that empowers you to love better for a couple of reasons. Uh, I mean, just this past weekend, right? We sat through a conference where one of the things that was talked about was concept of self care and how in order to pour into others, you have to be full yourself. You have to be fully charged yourself and um, abundantly full yourself. And so I think to some degree, resilience helps with that, right? Mm -hmm. It helps you to be able to best care for yourself. It helps you to know your needs, to know when you need to pause and slow down and, and rethink things. And, um, and so from that standpoint, I think resilience enables you to love better. Mm -hmm. Uh, the other way that I think resilience contributes to love maybe not so much enables love better maybe that's a part of it but just really honing in on that idea of connection that resilient people have strong connections with others mm-hmm. and i think that um what that looks like and cultivating strong connections 
requires love. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, we could say cultivating strong connections, maybe with people that we work with, maybe, uh, with people that are strangers to us, maybe, um, that aspect. But I think that that connections, if they are unselfish in their motivation, Mm -hmm. are cultivated with some type of love in mind. Um, not, you know, whether it's servant love, whether it's. Um, friendship love whether it's family love uh but yeah cool 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 i'm glad i'm glad that that uh i'm glad that that was cleared up because i wanted to uh i guess use this to explain how love can be better achieved but i think that pretty much answers it is that resilience um if i can try to sum up what you said resilience and i'm not going to do a good job so um but resilience puts you in a better position to be able to love those that maybe is is resilience in a way uh, a healing effect i don't know about healing um i'm i don't think that um i think that resilience if the level of resilience that you have can perhaps impact the amount of healing you might require after something in life that goes horribly wrong mm-hmm. um but I is definitely not synonymous with healing at all. Gotcha. And um, but I think, and so not so much with healing, but also with this idea of of loving others better. Uh, I mean, we kind of opened the conversation talking about this idea of self identity and values and mm-hmm. um, beliefs, and so what you believe about yourself and what you believe about others. And I think that uh, that many people are raised to believe things about certain types of people, certain Mm -hmm. categories of people to assign labels and value differing, differing levels of value or worth to humans, depending on the category that they fall in, whatever that might be. And, and I think that many times, uh, when those children grow up and become adults, uh, they may or may not have one of these experiences, but, but hopefully they get to a point where they might realize they actually have some beliefs about people in the world that are very unkind and unloving and, and not right. If, if you're talking about, uh, love and Christ-like love and what does that look like? And so I think that resilience and having a level of resilience, A, it affords you the opportunity to see that in yourself. Mm-hmm. And B, it can enable you, not easily, not going to be easy to do, but it can enable you to change your beliefs about people. Mm-hmm. And and so with that in mind and being able to change the, what you believe about the world and what you believe about people that can absolutely change how you interact with them and enable you to love those that maybe you thought were unlovable before mm-hmm. or didn't deserve your love or were unworthy of love. And, um, yeah. And so I, I wouldn't necessarily say that that's like healing in the sense that, I mean, there was something wrong with you or there was anything injured, but I, I think it makes you a better human, a better version of yourself and um, a better steward of just love and connection in the world. Yeah, that's good. Uh, you, you mentioned something, um, you, you talk a lot about, about children. Um, and I, it got me to thinking about like our school system and, um, but then also, uh, you know, a lot about, <laughs> 
you know a lot about the brain and and the effects of the brain and you know just stuff like that. Um, is it is it a fair thought to expect that this is something that is taught to young kids, say middle school age? As in a fair thought that it is taught or it should be taught? Should be taught. I don't know if it is. So if it is, then. Uh, I mean, Courtney's opinion is that, yes, absolutely, they <laughs> should teach resilience to kids. Uh, and there are definitely programs out there that do that. Um, is it a is it a concept that is easily grasped by, by kids? Or, I don't know. I can't you know? speak to that. I haven't okay. worked with kids in this particular program. And, uh, I mean... The, the idea is that... At least not kids by age. <laughs> right. When you're, well, when you're working with kids, um, you might not be so direct with them. I, you might not tell them, hey, we're going to talk about resilience today and you're going to learn some skills that are going to help you be more resilient. And here's the definition of resilience. And uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say like that's not how you would approach teaching kids. Mm-hmm. Um, how you would approach teaching kids uh, is, is more just the application and helping them. Like when you notice that they're in a situation and, and kind of have that opportunity to like coach them up on, okay, great. I can see that you're feeling a lot of things right now. Can you tell mm-hmm. me what you're feeling? awesome right like first step like emotion identification help them build their emotional intelligence and then you can also you know like take them one step further say they're pretty good at that and then you could say okay great i can see that you're feeling a lot of things right now what are you feeling do you know why you're feeling that emotion right now mm-hmm. you know and then it really helps them dig a little deeper and try to tie you know like their their emotional experience to to w- the way they interpreted something or or a particular event that happened and mm-hmm. um yeah and so so in terms of of kids you know that's one way but i also think uh, again like courtney's opinion but when you're talking about kids and this sort of vulnerable population i it would be a disservice to the kid to just teach them that mm-hmm. if they have a family unit that that resilience is cultivated with families too and primarily in families and a lot of um just the the science surrounding kids on the resilience work that i do really Mm -hmm. talks about that you know that primary caregiver is very influential in the way a child develops the thinking patterns that they develop their values and their beliefs and we know that all of those things contribute to resilience overall Mm -hmm. and we also know that resilience in part is a skill set of coping skills (laughs) and uh and if they saw those modeled by their parents or were taught them by their parents you know they're going to be more resilient and so i think you have a population of kids who are maybe Lacking those opportunities that it's not just about teaching those kids. It's about talking to the family too, uh, mm-hmm. because it will just make the whole system better, but it will also kind of give common language within that family to either for parents to talk, you know, down to their kids as in, you know, like from place of experience or authority, but for kids to also speak up um, to their parents in terms of what it is that they're feeling or doing or thinking or whatever the concept is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, then, and it, and it sounds like, it sounds like by hitting them, hitting them is a wrong, getting this to them at a younger age sets them up to, I guess, be a kinder, more well-rounded person later on in life. So do you think that, and I, perhaps, I mean, I can't say that that is, <laughs> 
uh, for certain thing at all. Right. Um, Trajectory but, wise. Yeah. So we know that resilience naturally develops over time. The older people are more resilient than younger people. And that is in part because if you live to be 90 years old, you've <laughs> survived a lot of things. Right. And you figured out how to get through a lot of things yeah. um, productively or not like you did. Mm-hmm. And um And so that's one of the things that we talk about with this particular program and the way it's implemented is that that if nothing else, it essentially gives you kind of like that booster shot on your resilience trajectory that Mm -hmm. we're all in an upward trajectory with resilience. And -hmm. and that's great. And some may be at a higher rate than others. And that's great. Mm -hmm. But but learning what some skills are related to resilience and then actually applying them as the other key component sort of like bumps you up on whatever that journey is. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Then uh, that corrected that path of thinking. (laughs) Um, uh, And I I meant to ask you this earlier. So if this is kind of like out of tune with the rest of my uh, weird line of thought, please forgive me. But, um, this seems to be, and I've been learning, when you first told me that, you know, you were a teacher of resilience, I was like, woo, <laughs> you know, I'm probably revealing too much right now, but I just, only, not not pertaining to you, but just what resilience actually means. Sub-question that has nothing to do with anything, resiliency is not a word, right? I mean, I think it is, but in terms of, <laughs> of the way that I talk about it or that the program I'm a part of talks about it, it's just resilience. Resilience, okay. Anyway, yeah. Never say resiliency because it'll make people who teach it very angry. <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, so what is, because, and I was saying that, uh, you know, resilience is, is, I've been learning through you, uh, but then also after you started talking about it, I just started hearing the concept of resilience see popping up in a lot of different places um what is what i I guess this seems like something that goes wildly um unappreciated unnoticed untaught in community uh what is the enemy of resilience i'm not sure i understand your question sorry that was a weird backstory that may or may not have anything to do with the question but so the enemy of love is hate Right. That's hate is and not hate stops love, but hate impedes the progress of love. What impedes the progress of resilience? Or is there anything that slows this? This would have made more sense when I, if I had asked it when I planned on it, but I forgot. So, I mean, I think that there are a lot of people who can stand in their own way in terms of their development of resilience. Um, I think that I wouldn't say it's it's not like there's one thing it's not mm-hmm. it's not like a polarity like love and hate or light and dark or um yeah anything those that are innately by nature opposing I, I don't I mean perhaps there is something and I'd <laughs> be interested to learn what it is uh, but I think that there there are definitely many many things that undermine resilience mm-hmm. so when you're talking about limiting it or getting in the way of its development that yeah there are there are lots of things that that do that and mm-hmm. um well, one of which is a lack of self-care <laughs> to to be honest <laughs> that's good many that's good. many of the the skills that we talk about in terms of those um influential aspects of resilience are 
in part dependent to how tired, stressed, worn down, cared for, like, uh, fueled are you? And, Mm -hmm. uh, and if you are tired, stressed, run down, depleted, um, your ability, your body's physical, mental, and emotional ability to be resilient is compromised. Uh, and so in terms of, you know, kind of like an overall thing that, that consistently undermines resilience like that is something and and I think in this day and age it's a very relevant and very normal experience to be tired run down stressed and depleted like we live in a world that is go 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 and Mm -hmm. now and busy and that busy means productive somehow and productive is somehow tied to worth and so in order for me to be worth anything I have to be busy and um And we're also in a world of instant gratification. And so people are not necessarily patient. uh, And um, and, yeah, and the things that they're striving for or what they're looking for, that if they get started down a path and they don't get the results that they want now, they're angry. It's someone else's fault, not theirs. And they quit and move on to something else. And um And so, you know, that like constant like moving directions and completely shifting paths and being busy and committing to all of these things. uh, I mean, I think we live in a world, at least in the U.S., where people are kind of chronically run down, stressed, depleted. Uh, Yeah. How would you then? And that's man, that's so common. And I I talked to the uh, talked about that. Um, with Stephanie actually, but, um, we talk about how, how hard it is when we're talking about happiness, how hard it is to find joy because of the fact that, you know, everything seems to be, and we, we decided, I think we, we postulated (laughs) if if that's a word, I might be saying that wrong, but I think that we've talked about the fact that uh, joy can't be stolen, but it seems like in the world today, so many things are, are set up to rob you of, of your happiness and your peace and your comfort. And so um, that self-care aspect is huge. And I'm really, really glad that you brought that up um, because I uh, I think that if there was one thing that would impede the progress of resilience, it would be the lack of self-care. Um, how, how would you teach or how do you teach uh, the soldiers? Um, so how do, I guess, how do you relay that message to soldiers? Because I think that <laughs> they don't really care about self-care at large right um how do you how do you communicate that to them or someone that would widely reject that message um i'm actually going to comment on something that you said first before i answer your question yeah that you were talking about this idea of you know what robs you of things like peace and happiness and joy and um my answer to that from the resilience perspective, and I think it's actually also applied to resilience in general, what, you know, like undermines, uh, I think robs is maybe a strong word when talking about resilience, mm-hmm. um, is also just yourself. That, uh, that the human mind is incredible. And it can be, our, it is our greatest asset, but it can also be, our, our like worst enemy are our greatest detriment. And, um, and so in terms of like what gets in the way of us being able to experience those things, um, whether that is like resilience or whether that is like emotions like happiness and peace and joy, uh, I think that 
that a, a big part of that, not the only part of that, but a big part of, of what interferes with that is just ourselves and uh, the way that we view the world and the way that we view ourselves. And uh, that is not to say that there are not horrible things out there in the world, that evil doesn't exist, but um, there is also love in the world and love exists and peace exists and joy exists. And, uh, and it doesn't mean that those things are going to be constant in your life um, mm-hmm. because I mean, if that was the only thing that you ever felt or experienced, then I mean, there probably wouldn't even be all those words to describe it. But um, yeah. Uh, but in terms of how do how do we convey the importance and value and message of self care to um, like a soldier population? And I wouldn't necessarily say they're a population that um, is not good at it. I think the way that the military is structured um, is that actually a lot of their self care is taken care of for them. Mm. Um, that, that it is regimented and required of them uh, to, mm-hmm. me- to some degree. And um, now, does that mean it's cultivated in them to do it for themselves when they're, they're done with their time in the military? <laughs> uh, that's kind of like a gamble, right? But yeah. in terms of, of actually doing it, like they are motivated to do it. That motivation just might come from a very uh, short-lived place or like a... <laughs> you know, like longer term place, but, um, but actually the military population, um, particularly, uh, the army and, uh, in just the interactions that I've had, when you talk about the idea of being stressed, run down and depleted, um, it's essentially the story of a lot of their lives mm-hmm. that, that it's a population who by nature of their work, um, can be very busy all of the time or just come in these big rolling waves where maybe it's like super dead for a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but then filled with all of the things that got put on the back burner, right? And yep. uh, that you have to figure out how to do or or like crazy because you're, you're preparing for something, whether it's a training exercise or a deployment or, um, or, or moving, um, just, you know, constant changes, constant. Uh, yeah. in military population. And so, so I think that they very, very much understand, um, what those experiences are like. And I think that they actually are pretty good at being able to recognize when, when they've been in that place and it's harmed themselves uh, in some way or the, or a relationship in some way or their work performance in some way. Um, yeah. And so I don't think it's so much about, conveying the value of self-care. I think it's more about working with them to be creative on what does self-care look like? Mm Because there's a lot of things that are out of their control um, that are contributing to being stressed, run down, tired, and depleted um, that they can't change. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. So, so these are your cards, you know, or these, these are the materials. Now let's figure out how we can still build anyway. And, Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's more what the conversation is uh, than anything else is challenging them to be creative and um, to think, yeah, just think differently about um, environmental factors and situations that they're in. Yeah. So in order to be in a position to uh, teach, be a teacher, an educator of of something so impactful, this has to have done something i'm not going to ask you because i i know why uh or i guess one of the reasons why this is so big to you i'm not going to ask you to share that but um 
even if in something not that there has to be uh, something that has shifted in your thinking uh, because of resilience. And so um, I'm not going to ask you what that was, but how has the concept of resilience or how has resilience changed your worldview or has it? Yes, it has. Uh, And I certainly took this job because I went through a life experience that required a lot of resilience of me. Um, And I didn't necessarily know that's what it was or that that I had uh, had it or Mm -hmm. any amount of it. Um, (laughs) And... Uh, And when I heard about this job, uh, which was a few months following that, um, I just was really curious about that idea of um, just being able to deal with things um, that are challenging and difficult and hard. And um, and I felt like like I was thankful for the education that I had in psychology, that that was a big contributor to to the way I, I was able to just cope and process and. Uh, and survive for the, the time of my life where it was just simply about survival. And, um, and yeah, so getting this job and learning about just resilience as a concept and also the field of psychology that it comes out of, positive psychology, uh, it, it truly has shifted my, uh, my view of life, of self, um, of just future and, and career, future career, and uh, just j- direction that I would be interested in, um, in pursuing in terms of like further education for me or, or future work for me. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really nice to have like language to describe a, the things that were really helpful for me and are still really helpful for me. Like the stuff that, that like, yeah, enabled me to cope and survive and like pick myself up off the ground and kind of move from that to stumbling forward again to then walking to then running again in life. And uh, I think though also like knowing about all of, all of the aspects of resilience and the part that are influential and being self-aware, it means I've now shown a light in all of the dark corners of, (laughs) of the psyche of Courtney and like who Courtney is. And, um, yeah, and uh, and some of that is just really humbling to recognize that, no, I, I still really suck at that, and maybe I'll never be super great at it, but, you know, like, um, like at least I know that about myself now, and, <laughs> and if I want to try to get better, I can, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I think it's also um, changed my worldview in that uh, the way that I look at people in my life and the things that they're dealing with and how they handle things or or when they talk to me, uh, it is hard sometimes not to go into, oh my goodness, let me tell you about this skill that I know that I think would be really helpful for you. Um, but, uh, but it's all, you know, it's also one of those things where the more that I've worked in this field and in this, um, just like in resilience and teaching about resilience and how to cultivate your own resilience, I do. Like I, I really feel compelled to help people help themselves better, uh, which mm-hmm. is really what this course is, you know, for me, it's, it's teaching people. I mean, the way it's structured is that we're teaching instructors. And so not only are we teaching them how to help themselves better, but we're equipping them to go out and do that, like teach others how to help themselves better. And like, mm-hmm. why would you not want to share then if, if like, that's something that you know how to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then, uh, in regards to, uh, 
you just listed off um, in no particular order uh, or category. You were just listing off some things that um, situations that would require resilience. What are some skills that you teach uh, on resilience? Is that a fair question? Meaning on the topic of resilience, what sort of tactics <laughs> or um yeah, what methods do you use to portray the importance of resilience? Are there are there games you play? Are there lessons you tell? Stories? Anything like that? Uh, the short answer is yes. <laughs> we do those things. It's a two-week course. <laughs> yeah, it has to be quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm not going to talk about it more than that because that's too uh, specific. But... Right, right. Cool. Guys, we just avoided sudden death. So... Um, but there are, there, there's ways to portray this. Um, can you, can you say, are, are there like quick exercises that you can do? Someone can do with someone else, something fun that's engaging that isn't military related. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, I mean the, like in terms of job related, you know, like a lot of that stuff has copywritten all of that kind of stuff but mm -hmm. um but it's it's based on an entire field of psychology that uh is accessible for people to <laughs> learn themselves on and, the internet <laughs> um and and to just like read about and learn more about but uh one of the simplest um exercises that that is related to resilience and just this idea of how can I just cultivate more gratitude in my life and more mm -hmm. more optimism and just more hope for the future and and just increase the amount of positive emotions that I feel um, in my day-to-day -day experience uh, it's an exercise that's called three good things mm -hmm. um, and so it's uh, it's a practice of noticing and then reflecting on good things that happen throughout your day. And mm. um, and that doing both of those things that uh, humans have a natural tendency to notice things that are bad. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it comes out of survival. It's called the negativity bias. You know, if I, if I can pick up super quickly on anything that's a threat, I'm going to live longer. Well, mm -hmm. uh, that's what, you know, like back in the caveman days <laughs> this is very helpful but today uh what what we view as threats are very different and aren't necessarily life-threatening um and yet our brain still operates that way in terms of always noticing the bad the bad the bad the threat the threat the threat and um and so that practice of three good things is uh, is bringing balance to your life, that you know mm -hmm. what your brain does automatically, so now what can you do on the other side of things? Because if we're always noticing things that are bad or things that are threatening, you know, it's mm -hmm. a lot of negative emotions that can kind of get brought up, fear, anger, anxiety. And, um, and so... So practicing acknowledging good things when they happen, um, mm -hmm. you know, helps to cultivate those. And it's not just about acknowledging them. Like, mm -hmm. uh, it's about acknowledging plus reflecting. And that's because we want to actually experience some positive emotions, right? And mm -hmm. in order to experience emotion, you kind of have to dwell there a little bit and sit mm -hmm. in that place a little bit. And that's what the mm -hmm. reflection enables you to do. Yeah. Um, 
And, uh, yeah. And so, so for instance, like something good for my day today is, uh, I had the opportunity to drive out. I'm going to do some sub swim coaching, um, with a team here in town a couple times this week. And so, uh, I drove out to the pool to meet the coach and the group that I'm going to sub with for, for a practice or so. Um, and yeah, and it's been a bit since I've sub coached and it's something I really enjoy doing. I love coaching and, uh, and it was just so nice to be able to be there on deck. And the coach of this particular group is someone that I swam with several years ago. And so it was also really nice to reconnect with a friend mm-hmm. uh, and just sit there and, and kind of like catch up and talk shop a little bit and hear the sound of the pool as the, <laughs> as the kids are, you know, swimming and splashing in the water and just watching them swim up and down. It's such a like healing, therapeutic, relaxing place for me to be. And um, and they, they were kids who seemed like they're going to be really awesome not a lot of like pushback or attitude and I mean with teenagers it's sort of a gamble <laughs> right yeah, and, every time. <laughs> um, yeah and so you know like good thing for me and and reflection is simply that like like retelling what it was and and like thinking about or if I'm sharing this with someone like why was it so good what was so good about it and um uh, yeah and just like anything that can help you kind of dwell in that place a little longer and learn a little more about why it was good and maybe figure out how you can help that happen more often. Um, because if you can figure out how to help that good thing happen more often, it means there's more good things in your life. And, um, yeah. And so that exercise of three good things is a a starting place to do that with intention. Uh, And so whether that's at the end of your day, while you're laying in bed, you're reflecting on three things that happened that were good. And then why were they so good? What was good about them? Experience some of those positive emotions. Um, Maybe it's, it's where you do it um, kind of throughout the day. You have maybe a midday check-in and then an evening check-in. And um, so that's one exercise that uh, is related to resilience in a way that you can help to just cultivate positive emotions and positive emotions are super powerful. Um, (laughs) and just, yeah, their experience and they also have some really great, uh, chemical and physiological things that they do in your body that help you out too. And so, wow. Yeah. Not just your brain. No, not just your brain. That's awesome. Um, and so in doing that, this is something that is repeated right daily. Yeah. It's a practice. And so, yeah, to make it a habit and, um, with intention and, uh, and that the more that you do it, the easier it will get as an exercise that rather mm-hmm. than maybe having to spend some time at the end of the day, really thinking about what were the good things, um, that perhaps you'll be better at noticing them when they're happening, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and like having that moment of gratitude in the moment rather than just at the end of the day. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Um, so uh, there was a question that I was going to ask you earlier and I try, I'm trying to, uh, I guess, alter the question a little bit because it may not be fair to ask, or it may be, uh, unanswerable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I put, when is resilience most needed? But I think that that isn't a fair way to ask it. Is there a time or can you name a situation that someone might find themselves in to where resilience is most needed or can be most uh, practical? Every day. Every day. <laughs> um, yeah, the short answer is every day and that just hit resilience and how it works is, is it is it's a toolkit of skills that you have that don't just help you when things are bad. 
Mm -hmm. They also help you to grow and thrive when things are good. And so, so when is it most needed? All of the time. Like it, it helps mm. you to flourish in life and, um, yeah, it helps you to survive and to thrive. And so I wouldn't say that like, oh, it's most needed, you know, like, especially when traumatic things happen, like, of course it is helpful in those moments because survival mm. is, is hard when you're in that place <laughs> and unpleasant, but but it's also unfair to say that that's the only time you need resilience because sure. great, you can go through life and be able to cope with all of the bad things. But when things aren't so bad, are, mm-hmm. are you experiencing happiness and joy mm-hmm. and peace and, um, and just like flourishing? And if, if the answer is no, then no, that's when you most need resilience. Um, yeah. Okay. That's good. Uh, then, how does I have one more question and then I think we're going to I'm going to try to wrap it up um, because I can go on forever and I think you can go on forever times two. So um, uh, and just a fair warning, the closing is going to be an option (laughs) of something. Okay. yeah, I'm going to give you the option of doing one thing or the other. And so um, (laughs) but you're not going to tell me what they are. I can't because I have a question before that and I don't want I don't want to confuse you. But uh, you can, or you can do both, you know, whatever. Let's okay. have fun with this. <laughs> um, uh, so before that, um, concept of resilience, how does, how does me, an average person, how does me grasping that concept enable me to love people better? What shifts in my understanding of resilience and how that makes me a better person? What, what then happens for me to be able to go to someone and show them love. Whereas any time before that, I would have just been ready to judge them or write them off because maybe they're someone that, you know, just aren't on my radar. Uh, am I making sense? I think so. And I wouldn't say that there's like a, a quick answer to that question, but mm-hmm. um, I think that the one thing that shifts is the ability to pause. Hmm. And if you take a moment to pause when you find yourself in a place perhaps uh, where you're initially thinking a lot of things um, that grasping and understanding the concept of resilience can allow you to pause and then evaluate like is is this really how I want to be thinking about this person or is this really what I what I want to do Um, and by introducing that that option of a pause into your life and the way that you live life just gives you greater control over what you do after that pause. Um, And yeah, and so I think if motivation and desire is to love others better, then it absolutely helps to facilitate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got to say that I am loving the answers that you're giving to these questions because I did not see them going well because the way I'm asking them is terrible. But um, the pause is good. Slowing down, self-care, uh, you're you're saying a lot of things that in so many ways is is about introspection and and taking some time to take care of yourself so yes. that you can be a greater tool for others and with intention with intention I think that today 
People are really good at, oh, yeah, take care of myself. I'm just going to Netflix and chill all weekend and eat pizza <laughs> and drink beer and just lounge around, right? That that's taking care drunk. of myself. <laughs> and, and yeah, to some degree, like, that's self-care, but that's not intentional self-care. Mm. Um, and that I guarantee you by the end of that weekend, you're probably actually not going to feel super rested. And, you know, if you're only filling your body with things that are unhealthy, then you're not going to feel better. And that's actually going to interfere. And, um <laughs> And that now, does that mean that if you do that occasionally, like it's the worst thing in the world? No, uh, yes. but it's it's it is about intention. And if mm-hmm. that's the only thing that you do to attempt to care for yourself, mm-hmm. like, oh, you are standing in your own way. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. And so I think that just with that, like mindful, intentional self-care and, and pausing, it has to be with intention. And if intention isn't there, then uh, it's not purposeful. It doesn't actually serve a function. And basically you're kind of leaving it up to chance <laughs> and to luck yeah. as to whether or not it's going to do what you're hoping it will do for you. Right. Right. All right. I love it a lot. I love it so much. I might marry it. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> Never do I. <laughs> um, awkward laugh. So, Courtney, thank you so much uh, for enlightening uh, my loyal listener. <laughs> Urs. Um, sorry, that was funny to me. Uh, closing. You have you have an option. Okay. Um, to Is either... this like a game? Uh, Not a game. I like eh. games. It can be. It's okay. a game then. It's a game then. All right. <laughs> not if one. It's not really. I'm gonna kick you <laughs> under the table. Yeah. Um, you can either share the biggest lesson that you've learned in resilience. Um, something that I think like, you already asked me that question. Did I? Maybe. Anyway, uh, what's my other option? Something that was like wildly impactful and has you know like completely turned your little old life around, or um, encourage someone. Someone that's struggling right now that uh, either isn't struggling or is, as you said, you know, they're, they're I guess, up, in a, in, for lack of better words, and things are going well, but they just need to find a way to keep it that way. Um, and explain how that person can utilize resilience. So either encourage someone and or explain how resilience can be used in their life to continue that trajectory towards a positive place in life um or or explain what has been so impactful to you uh and this doesn't even have to be about resilience because this can just be about listeners getting to know you better and sharing something that's been wildly impactful in your life oh like any <laughs> anything anything has been yeah. wildly impactful in yeah. my life um other than me coming into it because Oh. I've obviously been wildly oh. impactful in your life. It's very and humble of you. You're very welcome. I'm uh-huh. super humble. Mm. Humble. <laughs> humble. <laughs> I'm also very tired. <laughs> I need to use the sleep. Um, so in terms of uh, something that was very impactful in my life, I think this is what I'm going to go with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that it will hopefully encourage someone or, or maybe cause you to reflect a little. <laughs> Um, but, um, as a family growing up that we consistently went to this family camp down on the Oregon coast, um, at Wainema Christian camp. And uh, one of the years that we were there over Labor Day, it was a great weekend on the beach and, um, just lots of fun and time with family and opportunity to learn. And, 
Um, but one of those weekends, there was a speaker there who said this phrase, and I remember it so vividly just because it, it was that impactful for me. <laughs> and it's still true today. Uh, and uh, I think, Brian, you might be irritated when I say it. But um, this phrase was, that which you give your attention to is what you find important. Mm. And polarizing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and really convicting. Yeah. Because I think that for a lot of people and myself included and part of the, re the reason why I was so like, uh, is, is I might talk about having all of these goals or desires or things that I want. Right. And, mm -hmm. um, uh, or ways that I would like to live, uh, or things that I say that I love to do. But if I were to sit down and actually journal out the last week of my life and assign how much time I've spent to certain things, would that, would that show someone what I say is important to me mm. or would it show something very different? Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, and so I think that that has big waves in many, many directions, whether whether it's just that realization that, man, I spend a lot of time watching TV um, or on my <laughs> phone, you know, and, Guilty. Uh, and, you know, I say that I have these things that I want to do, like, and I say I'm so busy and I have no time. And, um, and so I think that's important. I also think that it has implications in day-to-day in -day moments that when you're worrying about something, that which you give your attention to is what you find important. And so if you're worrying mm -hmm. about things that aren't grounded in reality, you know, like these are, these are fears that aren't happening right now and yet you're giving your attention to them. Um, or maybe it's, you know, like how, how many of you have gone out to a restaurant and uh, actually glanced around and noticed how many people are sitting there and actually not talking to each other. Oh, my They're on gosh. their phones. Yes. Um, that which you give your attention to is what you find important. And, mm -hmm. um, and so mental attention and uh, eye contact and all of those things um, say that. And... Uh, yeah, and so I like one of the most impactful things I've learned in life is that phrase, and uh, it is very humbling and convicting, but it can also be so empowering when you decide to do something about that. That attention is something that is within your control, mm -hmm. and and you get to choose what you do with it, and um, not an easy thing to do sometimes. Yes, uh, but <laughs> uh, but when when effort is applied that you can certainly um, get a better handle on it. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. What a convicting yet very practical uh, <laughs> closing thought. Courtney, thank you so much. Um, guys, you've just heard about resilience and love, uh, you know, and this really is life changing stuff. Um, it is very challenging, uh, you know, as well. Um, but these sort of talks, you know, they bring diversity, which I think really need to be celebrated. Uh, so don't avoid these moments. I think that we need to get out there and embrace these moments. Um, guys, let's get out there and have the faith to talk. Thanks for listening, guys. I love you.